all of that recording is just gone the devil is a liar the bible says the heavens open you see there is a difference between one who has touched the heart of god and the one who is just amen trying to wind things up there's a difference between someone who has connected with god you see i, I told us yesterday at the heat of my challenge, you know, in my, you know, my, you know, my domestic life, the Lord said to me, in the next, you know, in fact, I said five, ten, seven years yesterday, in fact, it was five years, that was a mistake. The Lord said to me, take the next five years and just shut down everything, shut down everything. And it was from there that I understood, amen, that even in silence, there's a speaking, that even when you're not doing anything, the fact that God said, don't do nothing, that itself is ministry. <laughs> The ministry is not the action that we carry out. Ministry is not the fact that we are in America today, we're tomorrow when we join us, but next tomorrow we're in Hong Kong, and then the next day we're in, you know, in, uh, in Ghana, and then, then from Ghana they we're in Liberia. And somebody says, how are you, you doing? Oh, wow, ministry is advancing. No, ministry flows from the heart of the Father. It's a river. There's a river, hallelujah, whose streams make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. The city of God is established within the heart of God. When you live life from that order, listen to this, everything the Father asks you to do accelerates its purpose in the earth. It is not the act, but the heart, hallelujah, that causes us to respond. That's why at the end of the day, our reward will differ. Somebody who has done mighty things in the eyes of men, built things, established things, written books, been all over the place, well known. That person will receive a small reward. The crown will, will, will have few stars. And yet that man that you always look at and is like he, he, he's doing nothing. He looks like nothing. He has nothing. But when he stands before the Lord, heaven will stand at a tease. Heaven will stand, hallelujah, in honor. You know, the angels and the elders will welcome this man with a holy salute. Welcome, generals of the kingdom. You'll be wondering, what did this man do? <laughs> the first shall be the last. And the last shall be the first. There's a principle in the kingdom. We have to yield to the redefinition of God's desire for our life. We have to surrender to the advanced prophetic counsel of God. We have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for too long to the, to the point that today when we connect with truth, it doesn't gel with us. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't resonate with us. Why? Because we have eaten so much of the wisdom of this world in the name of God, in the name of ministry, in the name of church. Ministry begins when we begin to set our heart on a journey. We want to find God. We want to discover him. It is a journey in our heart. I will tell us that the journey is within. The journey is within. Whatever you will do or you are doing outside, if it's not 
corresponding to the dealings of God within your life is a waste. Let me repeat it again. Whatever you're doing on the outside, I don't care whatever that thing is, how noble it sounds, if that thing is not connecting to the, the dealings of God, the speakings of God, the intentions of God, hallelujah, the counsel of God within you is nothing. The universe is within you. Heaven is in you. The glory that God wants to reveal is within. That's why heaven now is focusing. They are beaming the light within our hearts. You see, <laughs> you see, to win the world is to win first your heart. To reach the world is to reach, is to reach, amen, the universe of your heart. <laughs> he said, it's Jesus said, he said, he said, he said, he said, you will not finish reaching Jerusalem before the son of man returns. Did you read that in the Bible? He said, you will not finish reaching Jerusalem before <laughs> the son of man returns. But he's the one that also said to us, take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to, to Samaria, then to the atmosphere. I said, Lord, what are you talking about? He said, don't you understand that there is a dimension of Jerusalem in your life that you will need to be conquering. You will need to be conquering so that I can reign there. If I don't reign in that inner Jerusalem, you cannot win the world. You cannot win the physical Jerusalem. Jerusalem. It's all activity. Activity. Everything is induced. Everything is, you know, is hybrid today. Hybrid. Hybrid. Hybrid worship. Hybrid prayer. Hybrid. Everything is hybrid. You make it work. You, 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 you enhance the thing. That's the world we live in. The world where everything is being enhanced. And if you are not careful, you, you depend too much on this AI world. You depend too much on this algorithm world. Listen to this. They will lead you to hell because you would have missed the voice of the Lord. In the midst of, I want it easy. It, there's no easiness to the things of God. Come on. That's it. There's no easiness to the things of God. The place of ease and peace is when you find yourself in him. So when you're going through high water, when you're going through rain and you're going through hell and you're going through persecution, he is there in the fire. He was there. He was the fourth man in the fire. He didn't prevent the fire. He appeared in the fire. He didn't prevent the fire. He appeared in the fire. It's a day of greater glory. Those who will carry greater glory are those who have allowed God to take them to greater, greater height, greater realm of training, of refinement. The degree of our preparation will define the degree of the glory we will, we will carry and that will flow out of us. What am I saying? What is the Spirit saying? There has to be. A time of. Re-evaluation. Our strength has failed us. And it will continue to fail us. The things that we have. Depended on. We have trusted. In time past. Has come to a place. Of obsolescence. No longer working. 
that key they gave to us, you know, that key they told us that once you use it, it will open any door. That key right now, hallelujah, is waste. It's no longer working. Let the word of God prick your heart. Let the word of God ch challenge your values. You have to live. Amen. The Lord said to us sometimes back, I guess a few weeks back. This is the day of my feast. In the day of the feast of the Lord, you have to come prepared. You have to come ready. You have to come with the right garment. It was a day of Pentecost. While people were coming to Pentecost to do their tradition and religion and ceremony the way they understood Pentecost, there was another Pentecost earlier that was taking place in a different realm, in a different order of life. That's it. In the city of, 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 of Cape Town today, there's a two different order of, of gathering. Where you are in Johannesburg, there are two different kinds of gathering. Hallelujah. There are those gathered unto noise. The day of Pentecost, they have come from different parts of the world. They've come with their offering. They've come with their sacrifice. They've come with all. It's still that same old order. But within the old order, something has shifted. A new day has been proclaimed. And a company of few called 120, they gathered in a different order. What gathered these people was their heart, their love for the Father. Tarry in Jerusalem, he said to them. There's a harvest going on right now. There's a severing going on right now. There's a separation going on right now. I told you, what I am seeing right now is the same pattern that I saw amen, in 1990, In the midst of all of that, heaven came down. The glory of God began to move among ordinary men who have been searching and seeking. And they began to declare. The good news was proclaimed. Have you heard? God has begun to move. People call it all kind of names. They call it reformation. Some people call it apostolic. But there was a move of God. Whatever name people gave it. God wasn't bound to the name. But God was moving. He was harvesting the heart of people. He was bringing out of people out of a religious order. He was bringing out of people out of the charismatic order. The charismatic move had got into its echelon. It's got into its peak at that point. People have lived big. They've lived large. Pastors have built all kinds of things. They built, they built, they bought. They, I mean, that was a day where people began to buy warehouse. That was a day, that was a period in time where men of God would buy, you know how big warehouse is? They would buy it, fill the place. As they were filling the place, God was jumping out of their, of their meeting. God was moving and he was looking for houses. He was looking for gatherings. He was looking for the five, the two, the seven that were gathering. I'm talking about, I was there in the midst of the move. I saw it. And I'm seeing the same pattern right now happening again. You know, when God begins to move, people will think the reason why things are not working for them is because they didn't get that method well. They, so they will try another method. Then they will go to America. They will bring one apostle. They will bring this. They will bring that. No, it's not in the man of God that you're bringing. It's, it's, it's your heart set on a journey. Journey. Your heart is uh, setting your heart on a journey. They will frustrate you so that the day of God can begin in your life. You didn't hear me? I said they will bring you to the place of frustration. Everything that you have worked for will no longer work. We have, we've 
toiled all night. We used to catch things when we, when we go fishing in the night. That's where we catch the best of fish. But this time around, nothing is happening. Peter said, we've toiled all night. No, we've caught nothing. Because the, the season has shifted. The day of the Lord, hallelujah, has, has dawned. You see, God is coming. Every time the comings of God, amen, impacts the earth, a shift takes place in the realm of the spirit. But that, that, that shift that takes place in the spirit impacts every dimension of human existence. So if you continue in the same old pattern of how you used to do things, they will no longer work. That's why people like, you know, Saul will be running to the witch of Endom. They'll be looking for all kinds of abelis, all kinds of, you know, sangoma. They'll be looking for all kinds of power. They'll be going to all kinds of places. They'll be doing all kinds of things. Why? Because it's no longer working the way they expect. So they'll think maybe the problem is, is, is the method. The problem is not the method. The problem is the condition of the heart. They've changed the heart. They, need, they say now you must come to a higher level. Come up higher. But you can't come up higher because the things that you have built, the things you have acquired, have weighed you down. You're weighed down by the by the blessing. You're weighed down by the prosperity. You're weighed down by the big name. You're weighed down by the title. You're weighed down by the color and the chain upon your neck. Come on. You're weighed down by the cars. You're weighed down by the massive things that you have built. You're weighed down by all kinds of things. They say travel light. You say I can't travel light. He said, said, break away from every sin that can easily beset you. Sometimes the sin besetting us are the success of yesterday. Come on. I said, sometimes the way, the, 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 the problem, amen, that we have is the victory of yesterday. We need to go learn again from David. That you don't use the same method, hallelujah, to, to fight the enemy. You have to understand that the days that you use a javelin is, is different from the days you must use a sling. Is It's different from the day, hallelujah, you must use the sword. It's different from the day, hallelujah, you must believe God to grant you a different kind of vision and strength to engage. You have to understand this. But you cannot understand this if you are not tracking with God. That's why I said the Lord is calling back, calling us back to the place, hallelujah, of his heart. Not the act. Please don't get me wrong. I believe in acts. We've been talking about the act of the apostle. The act of the apostle begins from the heart of the apostles. Their heart is what shaped, prepared them for the act. When their heart, when your heart is not ready, when God cannot sit in your heart, when the kingdom of God Allah, cannot re reside in your heart, tell me which kingdom are you gonna are you gonna express? What kingdom will you be representing? What are you going to be declaring out there? You'll be declaring your own wisdom. You'll be declaring Allah, what has become stale. What you'll be you'll be you'll be feeding the people, hallelujah, with, with, with manna that have become maggots. Don't you understand that? That when you gather beyond what amen you've been designed and ordained for for today, don't you understand that by tomorrow that thing becomes a maggot? Insecure people have a way of doing ministry. They always think of in case it doesn't happen tomorrow. Let's gather enough for today. That is the mindset of the church today. Gather enough for today. So we can have for tomorrow. 
They don't understand that, amen. Tomorrow, hallelujah, is in the loins of him who is the creator of all things. He who says, hallelujah, ask for daily bread. He didn't say ask for tomorrow's bread. Give us this day. That is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It is not just a prayer. It's a value system of how to live within the kingdom. Give us this day, not tomorrow, our daily bread. So that when tomorrow comes, you trust, you depend on him. It is the glory of God for men to trust and to depend on him on day-to-day basis. That is one of the dimension of God's glory. That you, when you live in a dimension where you're no longer trusting, you're no longer depending, you think now you have enough, uh, you begin to die. Because then you become a God to people. You become the answer to people. No, nobody's an answer to the people. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You see, the things that Jesus did. that You know, I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth was anointed, hallelujah, by the spirit of the Christos himself. Hallelujah. Jesus, the son of Mary. I, I hope you understand that Jesus, the son of Mary, is not God. Jesus, the son of Mary, hallelujah, is the one created to house God. <laughs> he housed the Christos. He is the house of the anointing called the Christos. So when Jesus and Christ becomes one, you are ready. <laughs> A body you have prepared for me. That body had to learn to submit and surrender. He had to learn the way of worship, but not after the pattern of the Pharisee that he grew. He grew among the Pharisee. He grew within the religious system of the day. He saw the way the people of his day worship God. He knew that is not the pattern. And he began to live a life that opposes the standard of the day. That is Jesus. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. He showed us a pattern of life. He was not carried away by the voice of the multitude. No. When they were going to the temple, he said, I'm staying here. <laughs> they said, if you are the Christ, why don't you go show yourself? Go prove yourself. If you claim that you are indeed the son of God, go show yourself. He said, my time has not come. He lived his life, amen, by the voice of his heavenly father. He was connected. He was aligned. He was never a man pleaser. Though he ministered to men, but he was never a man pleaser. There are two different things. I'm, I'm called to minister to men, but I'm not man pleaser. I don't please people. I please him who sent me. If you are going to finish the work in due time, if we're going to finish this end time work, friends, there remaineth a rest for us. He who has ceased from his labor has entered into the rest of God. There is a Sabbath rest in God. When you enter God, you enter into rest. When you enter into rest, you enter into divine acceleration. There's something called redeeming the time. 
when you when you live life in Christ when you walk via the voice of the spirit you will be redeeming the time <laughs> those who have gone ahead of you five years ahead of you yes those who have gone ahead of you ten years ahead of you when you are redeemed, redeeming that when you live in, in Christ you will you will you will be outrunning the chariots of Ab. <laughs> he said go we read that we did that series remember when you are restoring the temple the next dimension, amen, is that you will outrun those who think they're ahead of you. The people who think they are in leadership, they are, they have everything in control. They have amen, everything under the authority and power. The Bible says, as the spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah, as he gave the word of the Lord, amen, to, you know, to help. God is about to reign. The Bible says, and he outran the chariot of, 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 of Ahab, and he ran to Jezreel. The God is speaking to us. The Lord is speaking to us. I don't know how you feel about this, this voice coming. But I know this voice is disrupting. It's disrupting our agenda. They say before you run. They say get yourself ready for the next 10 years. But heaven says before you begin to run in your own strength, sit and eat for the journey is far. The position of sitting is to come into oneness with the Lord. Your sitting position is very crucial and critical. To your ability to finish. It is in the sitting that you are instructed. It is in the sitting that you are informed. It is in the sitting that you are reformed. It is in the sitting that you are restored. It is in the sitting that you are empowered. You are endowed. You read the book of Acts of the Apostle. I've shared that scripture with you. Before the day of Pentecost came, the Bible says they were seated. I'm going to show you again. I didn't have the intention to go to that scripture, but let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go to Acts. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1. Jesus gave the instruction. In chapter 1, of course in chapter 1 he gave the instruction. On one occasion while he was while he was eating with them, he gave them this this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the Father for the for the gift of the Father's promise. All right? Which he has, which he has promised. Alleluia. Verse uh, uh, five says, "For John baptized with water, but in few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit." Now, verse six says, "So when they meet together, when they meet together, they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel?" He said to them, "It is not for you to know the time or the date the Father has set by His own authority, 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up. Alright, let's, let's go to verse um, 12. When they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount Olivet, a Sabbath day's walk from the city, when they arrived, listen to this, when they arrived, they went upstairs. They ascended. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they ascended. They went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Where they were staying. So that was a place of abode. They were staying there. They, didn't, they were not coming and going. Where they were staying. It's like a lodge. They lodged there. They locked themselves there. The Bible says, those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphesus, and Simeon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up. Of course, this is how they chose uh, uh, a replacer of, of Judas. Let's go to... Uh, um, let, let's go to chapter chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, alright, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came, listen to this, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Where they were sitting. I told you, I, I, I was just trying to make a point about that point i read a book years ago by watch my knee it talked about sitting standing and walking it's by watch my knee sitting standing and then walking a lot of people want to walk into the things of god they want to walk into certain dimension they want to walk in the power they want to walk in glory they want to walk in the anointing they want to walk in the you know what i'm talking about but they have not learned to sit their bombs itches them when they sit for five minutes they jump up it's like a voice whisper to them get up go out there they, they, their ministry is premature the things they give birth are premature. When they give birth to things, those things are not fully formed. Those are premature baby. You know what happens to premature baby? They become a liability. I'm sorry to say if you've got one. They become a, in fact, most people with, a, with premature baby, in their heart of heart, if, you are, if they are genuine, at a point they'll be praying, God, take the child. Because that child becomes a what? A liability to them. <laughs> that is what ministry is to talk to me Lord that is what ministry is to a lot of men of God a lot of people out there who are doing what I call premature ministry <laughs> they can't just send you away because they still need your money <laughs> but if they can send you away they will get rid of you they are, in fact is the ministry killing the people today why because they were not fully formed Christ was not fully formed in them. The formation of Christ doesn't come when you, are, when you are standing up or when you are walking. No, it begins when you sit down. When Elijah, remember when Elijah ran 
from Jezebel. He had, he had, he had drained. He had overused. He had outused all his anointing. Now he's running from a woman that he was supposed to send the word back to. The Bible says he ran. And at a point, the Bible says he got to a place, you know, by the tree, by the tree of the broom. The Bible says he sat there. Where he sat there, what happened? The angel of the Lord came and what? And fed him there. They fed him there. That's why he needed. He should have he should have listened before he ran. The Lord, I need to come back to the place of the sitting. But you cannot sit except first you ascend. You see, you don't sit in the valley. You sit in heavenly places. Now I'm happy all by myself. You sit in heavenly places. Is that not where the Bible says we are seated? We are seated in heavenly. Sitting in heavenly places means sitting within the realm of the mind of Christ. Before you begin to think of heavenly places of a place of authority and power. Yes, it's a place of authority and power. But it's a place where the mind of God, amen, invade every dimension of your existence. Seated in heavenly places. When you are seated, your mind is captured by the glory of the ascended one. When you are seated in heavenly places, your thought, hallelujah, is no longer captured by earthly vagaries, by earthly things. When you are seated in heavenly places, your position of reasoning, your definition of philosophy is, is, is that of the heavenly realm. Is an ascended life. Those who have risen with him are seated with him. Those who have risen with Christ are not standing. They are seated. The only time you see in the scripture after the resurrection of Jesus that he went to sit at the right hand of his father. Hallelujah. Until our enemy, hallelujah, has been placed under his feet by the church. That's our ministry. He's waiting for the enemy to be placed under his feet. That's our ministry as the ecclesia. The only time you read again that Jesus stood up was at the point where Stephen was being killed. The Bible says he rose up. <laughs> Stephen said, I saw the Lord standing. He saw him standing. Are you listening? We preach to many, but there are few that we disciple. Those of us that we are discipling, may this word infuse you. May he infuse your spirit, man. Don't be under pressure. Let them go. Release them. They said they want to go. Let them go. Don't go with them. Don't go to a place where your soul will be punctured with many sorrow. Every day you go to the same place because they are your friend. But guess what? What do you get out of that place? Sorrow and pain. You see, when your heart is set on a journey, when you go back to Lodabar, when you go back to the old place to want to visit, you know, to want to exchange pleasantry, you will come back sorrowful. You'll be more sorrowful. Because they have sent you out. They have brought you out. Abraham, leave your father's house. It's your father's house. But they are taking you to another father's house. When you leave amen, that which you can relate to and connect to in the natural human realm. 
and you begin to journey to us amen the house of your heavenly father don't look back because if you look back you become a monument no longer a movement you become a pillar of salt that's lot's wife she was too captured she was too captured by, by you know by what she left behind listen there is nothing you leave behind alia that can be compared to the glory that is set before you there is nothing you've left behind if they tell you you don't know what you have missing you don't know listen there is something you are going to bring back that they themselves like joseph they will bow before you You may be in a prison right now because you've left the father's house. You've left the things that you are used to. You've left what gave you security. What ought to give you security but it's not giving you security but because you were born there. You know, you know how it is. That is abuse. When you're born in something that abuses you you still think that tomorrow that thing is going to change. No. Hear the voice of God. Get up! And leave Abraham why did God say leave your father's house because Terah died where amen his son could no longer journey before when when Terah left they were on their way from Mesopotamia they were on their way to the promised land to the, God began to speak to the father of Abraham Terah about the journey but because he lost his son, when he got to the place where he lost his son, the Bible says he could not journey further. He built a camp there. He died there. The next time the voice of God will come, God said to Abraham, his second son, now you leave, leave this place. I'm talking about coming into the heart of the father. Leave this place. If you don't learn to live what sounds good, what looks good, what makes you feel good, and spend time, sometimes in that state of loneliness and pain and want, <laughs> listen, you will never understand and you will never be able to share the glory that is about to appear. You know why some people cannot live where they are right now? When they know what God is declaring, they know what God is demanding of them. They know God. God is saying, "This move is dead. I'm, I'm, I have begun something new." But when they look around and they see the things that they have wrought, they have built. They see the accomplishment. They say, "No, no, no. This cannot be God. God cannot be telling us to leave this thing behind." So they would die in their achievements. They will never enter inheritance. This is a voice of the prophetic. Leave your father's house. We came to the concept of leave your, leave your father's house. Because you have to ascend to the next dimension. When they came back from Alilea, uh, Mount Olive. Jesus said to them, go back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a place we are going to amen, rot wonders. But hey, before that begin to happen, first of all, I need you to ascend. The Bible says they climbed the staircase. They went up to the upper room. They stayed there. They logged in. 
They logged into the frequency of heaven. They logged into the activities of heaven. Listen to this. Whatever God is going to do in this day, it's not going to come from the earth. It's going to come from above. Let me repeat it again. Whatever God is going to do in your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in your ministry, it's not going to come from the earth. It's going to come from above. So why don't you lift your eyes? Why don't you ascend on high? Why are you playing games? Don't play games with the things of God. When the love of God fills your heart, you begin to ascend. You see, the love of God takes the weight, the weight, the burdens of life. When God's love, the first thing you feel when the love of God comes into your life, you feel light. You feel peaceful. You feel joyful. <laughs> and suddenly, understanding begins to flow into your life. Direction begins to flow into your space. Yes. Stop doing the two. I'm, I'm talking to somebody right now. Stop doing the two. Stop, stop between the two. Stop. If you want to follow God, you've got to follow him all the way. You can't be following God today and tomorrow you want to follow somebody else. You want to follow another voice. You want to do something else. No. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. The time when God begins to set your heart on a journey. These are things that you begin to feel. Disenfranchised. Disconnected. Disorientated. Sometimes you feel fear. Fearful. Because the world that you know is ending. Those are signs that God is setting your heart on a, on a journey. It's not the devil. Stop fighting. Stop binding the devil. It's not the devil. It's God setting your heart on a journey. When you feel like you don't even know how to pray again. It's not the devil. It's God earlier bringing you to the end of your old ways. A new day is about to emerge. The old must die. The seed earlier must die for that which heaven wants to do. To be resuscitated. To be brought forth. I can tell you this because I've been there. I told you before, not many who made the journey in the 90s, that move, there was a move in the 90s. After the 90s, there was a move earlier in the year 2000. Now there's another move, amen, in 2021. I can bet you we're in the midst of a powerful move. But this move, amen, it's not like the one in the 90s. It's not like the one earlier in the year 2000. This move of God earlier is a move of the heart of man. Because those that God is going to use to carry the priesthood of this last day, of this third day, this Melchizedek order of priesthood, listen to this. Those who are, who are going to enter into this dimension are those who have been logged into the heart of the Father. Not just the hand. Ministry of the hand. Ministry of the face. The ministry of the feet. Are all connected to the ministry of our hearts. 
So before you run with your prophetic ministry, before you run with what you are hearing as, as a revelation, before you begin to walk into things that you have not been fully aligned into, let your heart, let your heart, I repeat it again, let your heart be circumcised so that the light of God can flow into it. Search me, O God, David said. If there be any iniquity in me, search me. God, turn your light on me. Remove the secret sin, the fear, the lust. Not just lust for men and lust for women. Also lust for the things of God. Don't you understand that we can lust after revelation? We're scouting around, you know, social media, looking for the next man of God, preaching God knows what. We gather that one. It's like, it's like we are so insecure and afraid. All right? We gather and glean from here, glean from there, put all together just to go prove somewhere that ah, I've got a word. No, if you want a word, you've got to log in. You've got to log the channel into the frequency of the heart of God. If you don't speak to me, I'll die here. That was Hannah. Give me a child or I die. Do you want to serve your generation like David served his generation? You've got to present to him a vessel of a heart that is crying, that is hungry, that is yearning, that is thirsty. Nothing else will do. Until God saw that Moses had fully turned. The Bible says when God saw that Moses fully turned, he spoke. The first thing that Moses saw, hallelujah, was a, was a, was a tree, hallelujah, being consumed by fire, yet the tree, the leaves were not burning. It was to attract him to something bigger. It was to entice him, to woo him, to bring him into something more glorious. When Bible said, and when Moses saw this thing, he left the ship behind. The ship was his livelihood. Come on, I said the ship was his livelihood. The ship was where earlier he sustained his life, his family. The ship earlier was where his his business and and his salary earlier gets to be sustained from. He left it. Read the scripture. Moses left. He, he was a shepherd. He left the ship. They had to, they had to use amen, the training of a shepherd to prepare him to shepherd the nation. Out of bondage. All the things that Moses acquired in terms of intellectual knowledge from the University of, of, of Egypt. All of those things were good, but they were not good enough. You have to have the heart, the heart of a shepherd to shepherd the nation. What we have lost in our generation is a heart of a shepherd. And to have a heart of a shepherd, you have to have the heart of God. That was why the Bible says, Amen. God found, God found, what, what was it that God found in David? A heart after him. Not a heart after ministry. 
not a heart after accolade, not a heart after influence, not a heart after men, not a heart after gift, not a heart after the anointing, not a heart after power and authority. David was not looking for any other thing. His heart was after God. That's what the father is looking for in the earth. In the midst of this new day where God is re-engineering his church. God says, I want men and women whose heart is after me. When your heart is after God, God will give you a heart that will win the world for him. I said, when your heart is after God, God will give you a heart after the nations. You know, my intercessory ministry began in the place of intimacy. When I search and hunger and pray, God, you know, touch my life. Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly, I just find myself start praying for nations. I start praying for nations. You know why? Because God is a God of the nation. Everything that bothers the heart of God will bother you when you have his heart. I say everything that bothers God will bother you when you have his heart. To have his heart is to have a love for God. Let nobody fool you. Shut it down and let everyone begin afresh with you. The, 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 the field is wide. The field is wide. The field is ripe. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ready. But the laborers are few. Multitudes of men. But they are not laborers. They are not qualified laborers. Every corner you turn to. There is a church. Every next person on, the, on Facebook. Is ministry. But very few have the heart of the Lord. Moses, after 40 years with sheep, he learned to be a father. He learned not just to be a leader, he learned to be a father. Then he learned to be an elder, you see. A father will bother about his own his own household. <laughs> a leader will bother about you know the business. Let's get things done. Just gotta get it done. There are so many leaders. Just want to get things down. Let's <laughs> leaders who are managers. All they think about amen, is the return, is the dividends, is increase. That's you see. Uh, <clears throat> let me take it. Let me let me let me tell you this, friends. We're moving beyond just searching for leaders. God is beyond just looking for leaders. God is looking for fathers. But beyond just looking for fathers. He's looking for elders. Leaders. Fathers. Elders. When you read the scripture. In the book of Revelation. Which is the, which is the book of the end. You will not find the idea of leader there. You will never find the idea of fathers there. 
What I'm sharing with you, I've never heard it before. I'm just speaking it by the Spirit. You will not find leaders there. Of course, many people make it to heaven. Most of them are leaders. Amen. But you will also not find God talking about fathers there. No. He's talking about elders. The 24 elders. The question you must ask yourself, what makes an elder? These are elders. You will assume that because they are elders. Amen. They are full of honor and glory and power and dignity. Yes, but the Bible says they are they cast their crown. They are they, they have crowns. They are they, they are leaders, they are fathers, amen. They are warriors, they are champions, they are generous, but they are elders. And at the at the peak of their glory, the Bible says they cast their crown before the Father. What is the Lord trying to say to us? If we don't have the heart of elders in this last day, there are certain grace and anointing we will never be able to walk into to finish the work. Elders will bring everybody together. I wanted to explain to you. All right? You see, a father bothers about his own children. A father will do anything for his children. Yes. And that's the ministry of a father. That's why, you know, in the body of Christ, when we talk about fathers, we're forever concerned about those following us. My children, you know, my daughters in the Lord, you know, we, we will go out of our way to do anything for them because we know what they do for us. That's good. Hey, but there's a different dimension. Heaven is calling you, you that you are living. You don't want to hear. The Lord is speaking to your heart right now. Stop the concept of a father. Begin to enter into the order of an elder. You just left now. You just left now. The spirit of the Lord is speaking to you right now. You continue on that path. You are going to lose all of the children you call your sons and daughters. You hear the voice of the Lord. You just left now. Those who will finish, who will carry this grace. Listen to this. Melchizedek was not just a father. In fact, Melchizedek was never a father. He had no son. He had no daughter. But he shepherded the nation. Show me the children of Melchizedek. But everybody wants to enter the day of Melchizedek. Show me the children that Jesus biologically birthed. But he was a leader. He's our father. But he's our elder. <laughs> you see, when you begin to the things that I'm saying right now, they are not in my note. I've never heard them before, but they resonate with my spirit because I've read the scripture and I can pick that this is the Lord speaking. That's what I'm saying. When you begin to press into the heart of the Father, they will show you things, great and mighty things that you don't know, things you've never had before. They will whisper. They will hit you with those words. You call them revelation. They call it a whisper. When the father whispers into your ears. <laughs> I told us yesterday. When the Bible says. When the goodness of God. When the goodness of God. Pass by. Pass by. Hallelujah. Just pass by the back. Of Moses. He had a revelation. Of who God is. He saw into what God did in the past. It takes one. Who, 
who have experienced the heart of God. Who, you see, when you experience the heart of God, you begin to flow in the, in, the, in the spirit of revelation, the prophetic. You begin to know things. How do you think Moses was able to write all those accounts? Why? A man who was not sat down and was dictated to, all he did was to saw the back of God move. And the entire book of revelation was given to him. Labor. <laughs> I told you, goodness is the least thing that we want. Goodness is for the is 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 a manifestation of first day. It's first day ministry. Imagine if God turned His face to Moses. All He saw was His back. God says nobody sees my face and leave Moses. If you see my face, you won't even be able to write. You will die. And I'm not just talking about dying and living again. You will literally die. You will not exist again. So the Bible said the Lord hid him at the cleft of the rock. And the goodness of God passed him by. That is the back of God, they call it. <laughs> the back of God is defined as the goodness of God. And he passed him by. And Moses had a vision. He had a vision of the beginning. He saw God in the beginning crafting things. In the beginning, God said, because a man was hidden and God passed him by. How much more? Those of us, the Bible says, we have a, a, a face to face encounter. Now we can stand and behold him. The veil has been removed. Ah, but the veil is still not removed because we have kept the veil in our heart. The Bible says, and if they turn to the Lord, the veil shall be removed. The removal of the veil of this day, hallelujah, is to turn to the Lord. Turn to me and be saved, he said. Ah, friends, I thought I was just going to come and pray. I just wanted to pray. But the Lord is taking us some, somewhere. We have to turn to him again. When we turn, you see, you will continue to turn until he comes. If you think you have turned and you've seen, wait until you turn tomorrow, you see something else. From faith to faith, from glory to glory, there is a glory that has ended, but there's a glory we are being ushered into. The glory of God is the heart of God revealed to the sons of men. When that glory begins to shine into your heart, into your space, perspective will change. Those people who did wonders, today we refer to them they encountered the heart of God. Can I give you a word? The face of God is found within his heart. You want to see the face of God? Be a chaser of the heart of God. To chase God's heart is to love him. You cannot chase God's heart if you don't love him. If you don't love him. You cannot dwell. You cannot abide and stay Amen. On the revelation of God's love for your life. No, you cannot stay there. You have to use that 
as as a catapult, you know, as a springboard, amen, to enter into the discovery of what your heart will begin to discover in the place of you saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. I love you more than life itself. I love you more than myself. I love you more than anything. I love you more than the breath that I breathe. I love you more than the food that I eat. I love you more than anything in life. I love you more than my wife, more than my children. He wants to hear you say it. I love you more than anything. I love you more than the riches of this world. I love you more than the revelation. I love you. I love you. He said, but he knows. I know he knows, but he wants you to say it. Because something happens when you say it. Not to him, but to you. When you say it out, I love you, Lord, more than my wife. I love you more than my husband. I love you more than my son. I love you more than my daughter. I know, I know how much you love your daughter. Ah, me, come on. I can lay down my life for my daughter. I can lay down my life for my son. But guess what? God wants to hear you say. Because that is the height of sacrifice. It's not, it's not asking you to choose between him and him. You have to make that choice. Because that choice is what sealed their salvation. Because when the children of Israel said no. The reason why we cannot go on to, into the promised land is because of these children. If we go, who will take care of them? The enemy is going to come and finish them. I saved the other one that have been protecting the children. God said okay. If that's the way you want it. No, no, no. You will die in the wilderness. And these children that you think you are protecting are the one that will enter. Are you getting the concept? Never put anything above God, above your father. When the day of Pentecost come, remember here when we say Pentecost, we're not talking about a move. Pentecost here is not a move. Is a principle, is a key that unlocks something in the heart of God into his church. So let's go beyond just amen, limiting the move of God to just you know, you know, the you know, you know, you know the, the move of you know Pentecost, the move of you know Passover. The, no, God is bringing us to the day of his feast. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. There's a togetherness. Why unite us? Amen. It's not our doctrine. It's the heart we have for God. When we have the heart for God. Amen. In that place of love. In that place of our heart beating towards God. God will begin to melt the wrong doctrine. God will begin to correct us. Prophecies will be coming to correct us. They will be building us in the place. You see, when we gather together. <laughs> when we gather together. You see, when you gather and my spirit gathers with you. In that gathering, there's a communion. Hallelujah. There's a communion. The communion is not what you eat and drink. No, no. The communion is the, is the, is the connection hallelujah of hearts that fellowships with god in the place of our fellowship amen we begin to understand each other and the things that are not of god in our midst heaven will begin to correct them yes that's how we grow up 
One comes with a psalm, one with a word. Hallelujah. One with, you know, as, as somebody's given a word of exaltation, somebody st stands up and begins to give a word of prophecy, and immediately you know that word is directly to you. What do you do? You adjust. <laughs> Even I've spoken. They correct you. In the, that, that's why what people do today is not fellowship. You go into church, but you've not, you have not fellowship. Because you cannot fellowship without communing first with the Father. Our, our fellowship is first with the Father. You can't fellowship with your brother if, if your heart is not connected to God. Because that place of connection is the place where they realign us, where they readjust us. They will say things that you have never told anybody. Somebody, an ordinary brother in the church... Hallelujah. In the place of fellowship. Hallelujah. As we're worshiping God. The Bible says, as they were worshiping the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, Fellowship and worship releases the Dabar of God. The Spirit of God said, The voice was clear. There was no confusion. Separate to me, Paul and Barnabas, not Paul and Silas, not Paul and John, not Paul and Peter. Separate unto me, unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work I have ordained them. How many people today will go to church, but they will not be able to connect even to the set man? They can't connect because he's too far. It's all show. You can castigate me. You can say whatever you want to say. But it is my call as a prophet to bring order to the church. To bring realignment. If we are going to enter fully into what God is doing in this new day. There is going to be civil war in the house of God. God is coming again. Our Lord Jesus is entering the temple again. In fact, he, he had entered earlier. When we, we engaged last year December. He entered the temple of the nations. Hallelujah. And he began to turn the table of the money changer. He's turning their tables. He's turning. There is commotion in the house. He has brought out his whip and he's whipping everyone to alignment. You have turned my house, the house of my father, that was designed to be a house of prayer. Listen, what that means is the place of prayer is a place where we unite in fellowship. The place of prayer is a place where we unite in purpose, in objectivity. The place of prayer. You see, when you pray, the Bible says, can you go into prayer with somebody except you're in agreement? <laughs> the place of prayer is a place of, is a place of agreement. When you start walking in, in prayer, is it that you're in agreement with the person or you're not? That's why before you join somebody in prayer, make sure that your spirit agrees with them. That's why they say, if two shall agree as anything as touching anything, then the concept of authority, hallelujah, is invoked. You cannot bind and loose if there is no agreement. For there to be agreement, there must be communion, there must be com communion, there must be fellowship. Fellowship is the purpose, amen, is the place of agreement. When they say we extend to you the hand right, the, the right hand of fellowship, it means that we are in agreement. You can't fellowship with people you are not in agreement with. You see, that's why when we, when we were running a church, when I was running a local church in Nigeria, I pastored for 20 years plus. 
when we're running a local church, in the morning, 7 a.m., 7 a.m. in the morning, the first thing we do is teaching. All our workers must attend. They, they have no choice. If you are going to function, amen, in the church on that day, you must attend at 7 o'clock, hallelujah, is one hour. The church, the church itself starts 9 o'clock. But 7 o'clock, hallelujah, is when I start my school of, school of the spirit. Is when we train people. Is when, because we know that to try to train people, amen, weekdays, people don't make it, you know, because, you know, Babylon, <laughs> you got to walk, you got to. So I said, okay, you go to work, do whatever you need to do. But Sunday morning is devoted to the Lord, not because Sunday is holy, but that's the only time we can meet. <laughs> you understand? Yes. Even there was a time we started meeting on saturday saturday afternoon we've tried it all i've tried it all but sunday morning hallelujah the people gather the key guys who are who are leaders many of those guys today are pastors some of them are assistants some of them have started their own ministry some of them are pastoring for other people yes so don't think this guy doesn't know what he's talking about the fact that God said your season is over there and brought me here and I'm doing what I'm doing. Some people will be castigating me, looking at this guy doesn't. <laughs> 7 a.m. If you miss, if you come past 7, if you come 5 past 7, sorry, you can't be part of the meeting. You can ask them. You can, you, <laughs> I wish you know some of these guys. Some of them are watching me. Some of them are still connected to me on Facebook, but you will not know because I don't say, oh, that's my son. That's no, 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 no. Their season has passed. They are men unto themselves now. They are leaders in their own in their own right. Amen. They have become my brother, even them their father. So I told you, in the day we are entering, we're not we're, we're going beyond the day of a father. We're coming into the day of elders. You will show me in the book of Revelation where they talk about fathers. They talk about elders. I told you, amen. A father takes care of his own, his immediate own. A father does not bother about other children. But an elder bothers about everyone, everyone. He's an elder. There was a day, the Bible says, there were no more elders in Israel. So everyone did, amen, what was in their mind. <laughs> everyone did according to his own desire because they were no longer elders. That was the day that a woman rose up by the name Deborah. Only my shakayanda. Now I'm excited all by myself. A woman rose up. Deborah. When, when there were no men to lead, to bring clarity, to bring direction, to bring leadership, to bring eldership. Hallelujah. There were no men to lead others to war. A woman rose up. She was an elder. Who said a woman cannot be an elder? A woman would be an elder. Where there are no men with visionary spirit, Deborah rose up and she led men to war. She had the heart. You see, what makes you an elder is not your gender, it's the condition and the state of your heart. Jesus died at the age of 33, yet he is the eldest of them all. He's the elders of them all. Older than Melchizedek, Older than Abraham. Older than Enoch. Before they were I was. I am. Moses saw my day. Abraham saw my day. And he rejoiced. They said are you older than our father Abraham? <laughs> Jesus looked up to I'm wasting my time talking to you guys. <laughs> 
33 years old. He finished it. He was the eldest of them all. Older than, amen, the oldest, Methuselah. When God changes time, when God disrupts time, when God brings us into time, we must understand time is a, a sign for the purpose. This is my time and I must be so sensitive. I must be clued up to what God is saying in this season in time. Because when this time passes, listen to this, you can't get it back again. When this time passes, you go back to, into eternity. When eternity comes into time, purpose must be fulfilled. Assignments are fulfilled in time. We don't fulfill assignment in eternity. <laughs> this is a moment, a time where we must do certain things. We don't follow the crowd. We don't follow Alleluia. The reading we don't follow amen the the, the the you know the pattern of the world system whenever we step into time we disrupt activity time two time were in concurrent concurrency two time one time men were gathering in Jerusalem, they were coming, coming, doing their thing, coming, bringing their cow, bringing men gathered from different parts of the world. Jerusalem was the point, it's still the place of convergence. But in Jerusalem, there's a different frequency, a different voice, a different gathering. And among the people who have ascended, the Bible says they climbed the staircase, they had ascended. Hallelujah. To the Mount of Transfiguration. They had ascended to the hill of the Lord. He said, tarry in Jerusalem. But where must you tarry? In the ascended realm. You can't tarry among them. If you're going to change them. If you're going to transform them. If you're going to heal them. If you're going to revive their business. If you're going to transform them. If you're going to revive their home, their marriage, their, their children. If you're going to bring them out of waywardness. If you're going to restore them. You cannot tarry among them. You are among them but you are not of them. You must go to the ascended realm. No wonder Jesus will always go to the ascended. Early in the morning he will climb the hill. So that when you come down, you come down with God. You come down with his voice. I'm speaking about the love of God. And the heart we must have in engaging this new day. How do we live life in the day of crisis? What kind of men are we, are we supposed to be? In the day where they say we will die, when they say Corona will kill everybody, when they say there's a third wave coming, when they say all kinds of things, when they say, well, this is the new normal, we must just accept it. No. Hey, our people are rising who have emerged from the upper room. It's a dimension of the ladder of Jacob. Those who ascend on high interact with angelic beings. When they ascended, they sat down. I showed you that scripture. I'll read it again. Then I'll go to the last scripture. That will be done for this morning. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were not scattered. 
Whenever God wants to build, move in the earth, he brings the people to gather. He calls them to a place of the gathering. God always selects a place for himself whenever he wants to move in the earth. The Bible says they gather together in one place. We can be, we can be, we can be gathered across the world, but we must be in one place. In one, that, one, that dimension of one place is the connections of the Spirit. Those people who are, who are from watching from you know, uh, Eastern Cape, those who are watching from you know, Johannesburg, those who are watching from here in the Western Cape, those who are watching from America, who will be watching God from God knows where. Alia, we, are all, we are all gathered to the frequency amen, where God is pointing to, where the voice of God is beaming from, where the Lord is directing his desire and his intention from. We may be alia, of many members, but we are of one body. That's, that's the gospel they don't want us to preach. And it's the gospel of the kingdom. I don't want, you know, Brother Tabo, amen, to join, to join my ministry. No, he must live where, he must stay where, he's, where he is, where God has placed him. But we must all be speaking into each other. Hallelujah. I don't want, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, my br brother, you know, uh, John Brown, amen. I don't want him to leave his ministry and join me. No, no, no. But there is a place we are all connecting to. Hallelujah. There's a place, there's a realm, there's a frequency that we are all speaking into because we all share one father. If we have one father, we must be possessed. Swing. Hallelujah. One goal as we carry out our intention. I don't want a ministry that wants to take everything. Your network must be the only network. Your, your church must be the only church. <laughs> if, 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 if it's not in your church, then it's not the church. They, they say, can we go? Jesus, can we stop this ones? <laughs> they, are, they are using your name. They are, they are preaching. They are doing things in your name. But they are not one of us. They are not among us. Excuse me. Okay, it's still here. I've got two mics. But they are not among us. Can we go stop them? <laughs> Isn't that friends brother? Is that not what we're seeing today? Can we go stop them? Let's go cancel them. That's that sounds like the cancel culture we're seeing rising up in our day in America. It's also coming here in South Africa. Amen. It's, in fact, it's been here in South Africa. If they are not part of us, if they are not sounding like us, if they're not looking at like us, but they are preaching the same thing we are preaching. So why are they not part of us? What gave them the audacity to be preaching about this same thing? What gave them the audacity to be tapping into the same revelation, into the same apostolic reformation thing, and yet they are not part of our ne network? Can we go and shut them up? Let's cancel them. <laughs> Jesus said, leave them. Leave them. If they are not against us, they are with us. That's something, that's a principle that nobody can, you know, fully understand. Particularly in the way we have done church. The only reason why we want everything to ourselves is because we are selfish, we are self-centered, we are insecure. The day you are no longer, you know, insecure by what other people teach or preach. The day I lay other people's message steers your heart to want to reach them. Every 
person that I have on Facebook that I have sent amen, a friendship request to is because I heard them saying something that sounds similar to me, to what I'm saying. And my heart was steered. I said, I want to connect with them. That doesn't mean that I'm in their business. But I am connecting to them to affirm what they are doing. I'm not one of those who will sneak on you in the night. There are some men of God, they follow me in the night. They come to my sight in, when everybody is sleeping. They just want to see what's that Isaiah saying. Does it sound like what we are saying? Okay, or okay, we can learn from you. Let's go add this one to our own. You will never grow in the things of the Spirit. If you want to come into the things of God, you have to come in the daylight. Face the man. I want to be your friend. Be my friend. Not sneak on people. They don't even know that you, Facebook can make you know who is watching you, who is following you. They don't know that. He's a big man of God. You're nothing because you are insecure. You have a, a revelation that is borrowed. If this axe was given to you by Christ, you will not need to be afraid. You will, you will, you will display the knowledge of that which has been given to you. You will not be afraid of, of connecting with your brother. You don't have to be part of their network. <laughs> because there are networks that their nets are breaking. Because the capacity of the, of the leader is too shallow. He's a, he's a, he's a leader, is a father, but he's not an elder. To develop the ministry of a network, you must have the heart of a... You must have the heart of an elder. It means... You can take somebody from Europe. You can take somebody from Coma Hill. You can take from somebody from the Kalahari. You can bring somebody from Sudan. Bring everybody. Both the one that is rich and the one that is in the shack. You can bring everybody together. And they will all sit hallelujah, in a dimension of equalization. And what, what defines them will not be because all right, uh, th that one brought a limousine. Now that one came with a bicycle. The other one came with you know tuk-tuk or God, God knows what. No. It will be because of what they carry. Because whatever you came with, amen, is a grace that heaven gives to you to enhance its purpose in your life. It's not for you to define yourself as if you're better than others. No. We have to kill that spirit of ungodliness. Come on, Rabbi. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I don't have to be part of any church to be part, amen, of what God is doing in the life of my brethren. Because each church has got its own unique assignment. I don't want to leave my assignment, amen, and pursue somebody else's assignment. But guess what? There is a place where our assignment can converge, where we can meet together, where we can pour into each other, where we can wash each other's feet, where we can serve each other, where we can eat on the same table. We need the ministry of Barnabas. Peter, do you love me? After they met in the upper room, the Holy Spirit came while they were sitting. Not while they were jumping around, flying around, you know, doing all those. The Bible said they were sitting. In their sitting, they saw your sitting position. 
your sitting position, hallelujah, will elevate your sight to the realm of advanced prophetic reality. Listen to this. Let me read it. We've read this scripture. Men have been reading, to, reading it with a religious sight for decades. But the Lord is bringing a new dimension, hallelujah, of revelation out of this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. When that day comes, it brings us together. Everything right now is bringing us together. Yes, yes, yes. When they decide, amen, they're going to do the great reset. They call it Corona. They didn't know that that was God's wisdom. Trying to gather, bring his church together. Separate the shaft, amen, from the weed. Separate the ungodly, amen, from the sacred. It's a day of sacredness. Heaven is bringing us together. They gave us a platform called Facebook, Twitter. They gave us a platform called, you know, Facebook, whatever it it is you know youtube whatever it is it's a platform for us to gather in that place called the upper room we have to understand the time like the sons of Issachar, we must understand hallelujah that this moment is a moment for our gathering in the gathering they will separate when they gather all the fish the ones that were not ready they separate them the ones that were not prepared they remove them hallelujah when they gather us then in the gathering there will be a separation hallelujah suddenly the bible says like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven not from somewhere else from heaven i told you whatever god wants to do in the earth it must emanate it must come from heaven stop looking down stop looking to the earth the solution of the earth is not in the earth the solution of creation is not within creation the solution of creation is coming from above the wind came from above came from heaven and feel did you notice that the wind filled the house before the clothing tongue of fire dropped on the people? <laughs> Lord help me. This is a whole conference. I'm seeing, I'm, it's like the Lord is just opening my eyes to see something new. I've been reading the scripture for the past God knows how many years of my life. The Bible says the wind first filled the house, took over the atmosphere. So nobody comes with an If you have an agenda in that place, you will fall down and die. The wind filled the house. Heaven changed the atmosphere first. Yes, Brother Tabo. In this time, it makes all things beautiful. It perfects everything. The Bible says, Amen. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Sitting means we respect each other. We honor each other. You know, it is in our standing that we know who is taller. The Bible says, Amen. When, when, when Samuel came to the house of Jesse, he paraded his son. He lined them up. And that confused the prophet. Because now the prophet is looking at them. He's a, this one is taller, this one is huge, this one is lanky, this one looks like he's well polished. You went to Avada, okay. You look like the guy that God can use. <laughs> but David understood the principle that if you want to really elevate people, if you want to elevate people, bring everybody and make them sit. You don't know who is who. Then the spirit can do what it needs to do. Ah, God. This is amazing. David said, go fetch Mephibosheth. 
from the house of sorrow from Loldeba. Go fetch him. They said, no, he, he's been, he, he has no leg. He can't walk. He said, bring him. Fetch him. And when you fetch him, put him on the table. Sit him down on the table. I will eat with him. The Bible says from that day henceforth, Mephibosheth ate at the table of David. Even though I'll hear the, the, the father of Mephibosheth, amen, you know, what, what, what was, was the son of, 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 of Saul, amen, the, the arch rival, amen, the arch enemy of David, yet because David had a covenant, amen, with the father of Mephibosheth, Jonathan, David, David decided that everything that comes from the loins of, of Jonathan has equalization in the house. God Almighty, help us, church. Mephibosheth said, I am like a dead dog. I am not fit to stand before, before, before David. He is the king. Look at me. I am disenfranchised. Even though he had royalty in his blood. I've been dropped. I have no capacity. There is nothing I can bring to the table. David said, I don't need you to bring anything to the table. Just be in my presence. This is what it means to have the heart of the father. When you have the heart of a father, you will, you will reflect the ministry of an elder. Bring him. I'm talking about our sitting position. When you love, when you love God, you will always find yourself sitting. This is what has led us here. Because when Jesus came to the house... Mary sat where at his feet is a place of first of all humility. Somebody will say humiliation. When you sit at the feet in the days of the orange, in the days of Jesus, when you sit at the feet, all right, is either you are washing the feet or, or you're a servant. Oh, you have been invited to hear something important. You will notice something about the heart of Mary. She was longing for something beyond anybody could understand. But she was also teaching us something. Those, those of us that will come before her. She was teaching us a principle. Because Jesus affirmed that principle. Mary has chosen the most important thing. And no one will take. Excuse me. What was it that was given to Mary that no one will take? Nobody knows those things. Because those things that was given to Mary were, were things of heart to heart. There were things that were flowing from the heart of Jesus to the heart of Mary that Martha didn't see. No one. No one. 
Thank you, Father. So let me round up with this scripture in John chapter 21. Thank you, Father. In John chapter 21. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. So this is very important. In Acts chapter 1 we were told that Jesus for 40 days taught his disciples principles of the kingdom. So I guess this, this John 21 is part of the principle that Jesus was teaching. Remember Peter said I go fishing. Because he felt his hope had been dashed. Jesus, that they've put their trust in, they've trusted, you know, now he's gone, or everything is back to square one. So Peter said, I go fishing. The same Peter Jesus said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So Peter said, Well, it seemed that word did not come to pass. So, guys, let's go back to what we know what, what, what we know to do. Let's go back to fishing. So they went back to fishing. And then in verse 10, the Bible says, Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Peter, you know, uh, uh, so Simon Peter. So Simon Peter came back into the boat, amen, and drank the net to the shore. It was full of large fishes, 153. 153. I've had all kinds of narrative around this, but I'm not going to bother myself with that now. But, but with so many, amen, but with so many, amen, so many fish, the net did not tear. The net did not break. All right. Verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and come, come and have breakfast. You know, come and eat. Come sit with me. It's still the position of sitting. Come, come have breakfast. Come sit with me. None of the disciples dare to ask him, who are you? <laughs> they knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus came, amen, took the bread and gave it to them. It's like they were afraid. You know when your heart pricks you. Remember, they already said to themselves, let's go fishing. This Jesus Christ thing is no longer working. Let's go look for something else so that we don't look like, you know, we have lost in both ways. Let's return back to what we know. We are fishermen. Let's go back to fishing. <laughs> the Bible says they were afraid. None of them dared to ask him, who are you? Because they know it was the Lord. Jesus came. He came to them. Took the bread. Amen. And gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. Verse 14. This was now. Listen to this. This was now the third time Jesus appeared. Amen. To his disciple. After he was raised from the dead. This was the third time Jesus appeared. It's important we study those three dimensions of his appearance because they speak to us about something that we've got to understand in the days where we feel disillusioned, in the day where we feel like Jesus is no longer there, in the day where we feel battered and bruised, in the day where it's like we're alone, we've been left alone with all of the things that is happening. The Bible says this was the third time Jesus appeared to them after he rose from the dead. Verse Verse 15. When they had finished eating. Uh, remember I started with, with Elijah running away. 
Elijah was running away. And he got to a point. Bible says he, 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 he sat amen, at the tree of the broom. And the angel of the Lord came and found him. And said, what are you doing? He said, I'm zealous for the Lord. <laughs> he said, you're zealous for the Lord. If you're zealous for the Lord, you should be in, you should be in Israel. <laughs> he said, I'm zealous for the Lord. I'm the only one. They've killed all the prophets. And I'm tired. I want to die. <laughs> Friends, this is not a laughing matter, but it's funny. There's a point you get to where you get overwhelmed by ministry. You get over overwhelmed by life. You, you get overwhelmed by trying to, you know, keep up. By trying to be nice. By trying to be, be good. You get overwhelmed. Thou as Elijah. He had gotten overwhelmed. One, from one battle to another. While there are some prophets hidden in the cave. Ministry can put you in a point, in a place where you can be overwhelmed. That is if you are not daily tracking the heart of the Father. It's not by might. It's not by power. He said, go tell Zerubbabel. Don't ever think you're going to be able to rebuild this, this nation, this city, this Jerusalem by might and power. Even though you're governor. Even though you've been given power. Even though you have authority. But it's not by might. It's not by power. Joshua, the priest, go and tell him. Uh, 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 then the prophet Agai, go and tell. Zerubbabel, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit. The spirit of God begins to work in our life when our heart connects to the love of the Father. The Holy Spirit cannot walk where the love of God is not secure. So when they had finished eating, the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, sit down, eat food. There is a time where we need to be ministered to. With food, with the bread of God, with the bread of heaven. Blessed is the man, blessed is the servant. That when the master comes back, he finds him so doing. Amen. Given, given the disciple, given the servant, their meat in due season. Friends, there is a meat heaven is giving to us in this season now that will strengthen us lest we grow weary, lest we faint. Jesus said, Satan, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like a wheat, but I have prayed for you. When you stand, strengthen your brethren. There is a time where you need not to say nothing, you just need to feed the people. Right now, the body of Christ needs to be fed. If you're watching me, you're listening to me, particularly those of us who are into ministry or you're, you know, you're pastoring, shepherding one or two people, no matter the number of people that you're pastoring, wherever, this is the time all right, to feed people with hope, feed them with faith, feed them with courage, feed them, amen, with anticipation, feed them, hallelujah, with trust, feed them with the love of God. Because the days ahead, they will need, amen, the stamina, the strength, amen, of that food to run, to outrun the lies of the enemy. What the church needs right now, amen, is a recalibration of our vision via the kind of amen, quality of food that we're feeding the people. That's why you will notice for a while, I've not been 
declaring prophetic, prophetic. No, I've been teaching. I've been bringing a word of hope, word of encouragement. I've been bringing words that will realign you, words that will cause you, amen, to stand up and look at yourself again, amen, and said, I can do what the Lord, amen, has called me to do. I am not alone. Christ is in me. Christ is with me. The hope of glory, hallelujah, is upon me. The light of God is shining around me. This is the time we need to keep faith alive. Because what the enemy is doing out there right now is to snuff our faith, to kill us, amen, to, to make us despair and lose hope, amen, and give up. Because when you give up, amen, the enemy wins. The army of God must arise, but this army, first of all, must be washed, must be cleansed. This army, hallelujah, must be fed. This army, amen, must be encouraged, must be motivated again. This army that is going to fight in the Lord's battle, hallelujah, must come back to a point, to a state where they know, hallelujah, that God is with them. You don't want to send this army that have been bruised in the past 20 years. They have been shattered. They have been lied to. They have been raped. They have been abused. All right? They've been under the leadership of Saul. You don't want to send them to war. You don't want to send them to battle. No. You want to keep them. You want to strengthen them. You want to reinforce their vision. You want to keep them alive. You want to bless them. You want to minister to their wound. You want to heal them. Some of them you have to send them back home to go and be with their family. You need to learn to show them love. Some of them we need to give them, raise money for them, encourage them, strengthen them. Some of them earlier, we need to send their children to school, raise money, send their children to school. You need to re-motivate the body of Christ. Then you can raise up an army for God. You don't want to send weaklings, fearful army to go back, to go fight. They've already lost the battle. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Don't look at me as if you don't know what I'm talking about. 33,000 soldiers were ready. They said, we're ready to fight with Gideon. The Lord looked at them and said, this one's... Uh, they are desperate. They've been bruised. They've been abused. They've been under the leadership of Baal. They've been under the tyranny of wickedness. Uh, suddenly the trumpet sound. Who is on the Lord's side? Everyone said, I'm on the Lord's side. Meanwhile, they've left him behind. <laughs> God said, no, Gideon, these guys are not ready for war. Bring them to the waters and I will test them for you. They are not qualified. Bring them to the waters. I will show you that their belly has become their God. This is why today those in government, those in leadership, both in politics and in the church are, are corrupt because the spirit of mama has taken over. We just want something for ourselves. That's why I told us God is taking us beyond leadership. God is taking us beyond just being a father. Every revelation out there, God is raising fathers. No, God is raising elders. Elders. God is raising elders. He's not just raising leaders. He's not just raising fathers. God is raising elders. Elders, hallelujah, go beyond leadership. They go beyond leading. Elders go beyond fathering. Elders, hallelujah, they have a place and they cover everyone. Elders are true priests. Elders are on the wall. They are at the watch. Elders are true shepherds. These shepherds were watching their sheep 
by night the ship were sleeping the voice of the lord the angel of the lord came hallelujah glory in the eyes goodwill to me this this elders this shepherd were the first to encounter the new day of the lord Today, something has happened in Bethlehem. They can hear the voice of God. They are not just shepherds. Listen to this. They are not just leaders. They are elders. Elders concern themselves with the issues of the land. They concern themselves with the issues of heaven and earth. They concern, they are bridge. They are protocols that bring deliverance, healing, and, and, and transformation to nations. Heaven is looking for elders. 24 elders surround his throne. They've gone beyond being leaders. They've gone beyond being fathers. They have come to the day of elders. When there are no elders at the gate, the enemy comes in. Elders don't just think about their children. Every children out there is their children. Elders don't just think about their, you know, their daughter. Every daughter out there is their daughter. A leader will fight for his home. But elders will not just fight for their home. They will fight for their neighbor's home. They will fight earlier for the third house. They will fight for the community. They will stand and fight for the church, the body of Christ. God is looking for elders. But for you to get to elders, you must go via leaders. You must go via fathers. So that you can have a standing. You can have a place at the throne room. Elders interact with cosmic things. Elders interact with cosmic things. Elders interact with dimension that shifts seasons. No leader can shift a season. No father can shift a season. But an elder has the governmental authority to shift things in the heavens. Why? Because they have the heart of the father. I feel a shifting in the spirit over your atmosphere. Father, we pray, release elders. Elders will sound the trumpet when the ship are sleeping and elders will be there watching over watching watching and protecting the ship against the wolves coming in ship clothing elders have insight and foresight their prophetic capacity is advanced they can see wolves in ship clothing they are there to guard but what makes an elder is the infusion of the spirit of the father's love. It is the father's love that propels them to be out there alone. Even though they know they are, they are, they know they are not alone. An elder will journey to a place nobody have heard, nobody have seen before. Because they've told him, go position yourself there. An elder is not afraid of big ministry. Who is rising? Or who is doing God knows what? An elder is not insecure. In his white robe, he knows that he is clothed in glory. An elder concerns himself with his position in the heavenly order 
so his presence in the earthly realm is secure an elder is a bridge between the heavens and the earth give us elders what the church lacks today is elders what the body of Christ lacks today is elders elders have gone beyond I'm a prophet They've gone beyond the title of an apostle. When you are still bearing an apostle, it means something within your life is still insecure. It's good. But that goodness is a second day goodness. When, have you noticed that all the elders around the throne have all gone through the fivefold ministry? It was when Jesus ascended on her that he released gifts to men. So the gift itself flow from the spirit of the elder. The elder live beyond the title. He lives beyond <laughs> what man calls is an elder. When you say an elder, he carries all the dimension that is required to flow in the divine representation of heaven's intention in the earth. He's an elder. An elder is a, is a man or a woman. There's no gender to an elder. The woman who was pregnant in the book of Revelation, hallelujah, with the New Day Church, she was an elder. She was pregnant. As Deborah was an elder, an elder carries the vision of a new day. Mary, as young as she was, she was an elder. Heaven can sit with an elder. They interact with elders. If you want to reach heaven, you've got to go via the spirits of an elder. You've gone beyond sentimental ministry, fleshy, carnal, our ministry, my ministry, what we have done. If, if those are still the definitions of what qualify you, you are not an elder yet. At most, you are a leader. An elder concerns is ourselves with the things of the Father. The Lord was about to, to promote Peter from the position of just a mere leader. Remember, Peter was chosen to be a leader. But he was not a father yet. Nor was he an elder. But they have chosen him. <laughs> so some of us right now, we are... We are journeying. God needs elders in this season. And they will gradually, you know, take you out of that position of you being a leader. You concern yourself too much about your ministry. But the ministry of your brother is suffering. The ministry of that person is suffering. And you took your eyes away. As if it doesn't concern you. Ah, no! It should bother you. Because we are, we are all serving the same God. The same father. Except you're serving a different father. Their victory is your victory. Their defeat is your defeat. Ah, Father. These are, these are guys Jesus has worked with for three and a half years. They got to the point of disappointment. It's fine. As long as we don't stop there. Jesus was restoring the people. Children, do you have any food? Do you have any meat? Bring some of your food. 
bring. I'm, I'm reading John, John 21. None of them could ask, who is this person? Because they knew it was the Lord. The Bible says this was the third time Jesus appeared to them. I want to round up. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, we're just looking at that. What, what were they eating? What was the essence, purpose of the food they were eating? It was to prepare them for the new day. Jesus was about to go, but he needed to feed them again with, with an eternal food. Hallelujah. That will always give them vision and strength to carry on. Jesus said to Peter, he didn't say to all of them, Jesus said to Peter, have you noticed? It was Peter who said, I go fishing. They all followed. That's a leader. A leader has got influence. Even though he's not, a fat, he's not an elder yet. But he's got influence. When a leader speaks, everybody follows. There are many people like that. They've got influence in the body of Christ. But they are not yet. They are not yet a father. Not to talk of them being elders in the things of God. Whatever they decide to do, crowd will always follow them. Have you noticed that Jesus don't follow the crowd? He was a leader, but he operated as an elder. An elder always consider every other thing. He's not just thinking of himself. He's just not thinking about his immediate family, his immediate ministry. He's thinking of everything, everything, everything. That's what we need in this last day. We need somebody who can think of from the little, amen, to the biggest. He would think from the minute, amen, to the mega. He's thinking of everything and he's scanning everything. He wants to know if everything is in place. David was an, was an elder. He said, go fetch Mephibosheth. They said, this guy, he has nothing to offer to the kingdom. His, his leg is gone. And David said, no, it's not about his leg. It's about his heart. And it's about the covenant I made with his father. Go fetch him. Bring him to the table. Uh -huh. Listen. Some of you. Listen. Some of you. The pain and the bruise you have received from the past move. The mistakes that we have made. Amen. Yes, I'm here. I'm picking this by the spirit. The errors, the abuse that you, you have been dealt with, all right, in the past move, are the things that the Lord needs to use right now, amen, to launch you forth into ministry, to bring healing to many out there who are scattered. When he looked at them, he saw them as sheep, amen, scattered without a shepherd. He needs somebody to gather them. God will use that gift and grace, that experience that you went through, that pain to make you an elder. The scar is in your hand, but they will use that scar to heal somebody. Bring them in. Bring them in. Just bring them in. Bring them to my house. So when you, when you develop ministry, when you, when you start what the Lord will have you do for him, you, you are not just sensitive, but you know how to relate, to connect. You know what not to do. That's why they sent Moses to the house of Pharaoh. So he will learn, hallelujah, what not to do in leadership. Sometimes leadership is not about what to do. It's also learning about what not to do. If you don't know about false ministry, you may be acting false order and think you are serving God. <laughs> Is that not what the Bible says? In the last day, many will be killing, killing in the name of God and they will think they are doing God a service. That's scripture. 
So, Bible says Jesus called Peter. We must have the vision to know how to locate the Peters. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He didn't ask him, do you love the people? The people were following him. But Jesus did not say, do you love the people? He knew that Peter loved the people. He knew that the people loved him. They trusted in him. That's why they followed him for, to go fish. Jesus said, do you love me? I told you yesterday and I'm telling you again today. The ministry does not begin from our love for the people. Ministry begins from our love for God. Do you love me, Peter? But he didn't just say, do you love me? And stop there. He said, do you love me more than this? More than this? Who are the days? Is the people and the fish he caught. <laughs> it is the fish and the people that Peter caught. He caught a man, 100 alaya and 30. And 53 fishes that did not break. He had built a powerful network. He had built a powerful network. This network was watertight. <laughs> watertight. The net of this. Remember the first time Peter Alea had a breakthrough. The net broke. And the Bible says this, the, the boat began to sink. Just from the breakthrough. So Peter had learned. He had learned to walk on his leadership capacity. He had learned to walk, amen, on his leadership ability. He has learned, amen. He, the people had loved him. They followed him. But his heart is not following him. Aye. It's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. The network, the ministry was booming. The ministry was booming. Success was breaking out here and there. Well, hey, he must collide with him who is called love. He must collide with him, hallelujah, who the essence of his purpose, amen, is, he, he must, be, must, be, must be weighed on the balance. He collided with Christ. They put him in the scale. They found him wanting. Peter, do you love me more than this 153 fish and the people that are following you? Do you love me more than this, Peter? I told you yesterday, it's not about the love God has for us. That is settled. It's the love we have towards him. Do you love me more than this? Yes, Lord, he said. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Peter, son of, John, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, the third time he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? When they ask you the same thing three times, they, they, they want that thing to resonate. They're not asking you, they're not repeating it for repeating sake. They want that truth to resonate. Do you love me? Jesus asked him the third time. Peter was hot. Some translation said Peter, Peter got angry. Peter was hot because Jesus asked him the third time. Do you love me? Peter got the he got the he got the he got the answer. He got amen, the reason for this third asking. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know I love you. He said, Yes, Lord, you know all things. 
You know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, I told you something now. They were trying to promote Peter. <laughs> From being a, a zealous leader to being an elder. An elder must walk with walking stick. Not because his tie is broken. But because he must wait and depend on the walking stick. Every strength he exerts on that walking stick is a reflection of his position as an elder. An elder takes his time, but when he speaks, the Bible says, as the church were arguing, everybody spoke, everybody spoke. The Bible says, and James rose up and speak. And that was it. An elder has spoken. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you want. You, you went where you did what you want to do. When you were younger, when you had zeal, when you had the glory of strength, the glory to move things, when you were able to write that 30 books, 40 books, when you were able to build that house, build that ministry, you were young. Young means you had the, you had the anointing, you had the grace, you had the power, you had the resource, you had men backing you. There's a difference in Jesus' leadership, excuse me, in David's leadership. When David led men at the cave, it was totally different from how he led people amen, in Ziglag. It was totally different to the way he led them at Hebron. When you get to Hebron, you can no longer lead people as a leader. You cannot just become an elder, excuse me, a father and, and be satisfied. When you get to the Hebron dimension, you need the grace, the gift of an elder. When you were young, you did what you want to do. You went wherever you want to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Ah, I rest my case. Help us, Father. Someone else will dress you. As you stretch your hand, they will dress you. And they will lead you where you don't want to go. It takes the, the gift and the grace of an elder to submit to people you feel are younger than you. I don't even know how to end this. But I've got to end it. I leave it hanging here. Let it minister to you whatever the Lord is saying. I surrender to you, Father. I surrender to your ways. I surrender. I surrender to the call of an elder. In this day where our people are scattered as sheep without a shepherd. In this day where no one is talking about going the way of Zion. In this day where our heart is not going to another direction. We, we, we've paid our way to Tarsus when you've asked us to go to Nineveh. It takes a prophetic elder to go to Nineveh. To go to a land we have, we have, we have defined to be a hidden land on godly people. Nineveh. Who goes to Nineveh? 
Jonah refused. He said, I'm not going to go to Nineveh because he had judged the people of Nineveh. So he paid his way to Tarsus. Ministry is good in Tarsus. We hear your voice, Father. What shall we say to these things? We have been weighed in the balance and we have been found wanting. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on the body, the church. It's time to tarry and let God finish his work in you. The reason why your world is full of confusion is because you are hopping from place to place. God is speaking to somebody. You're hopping from here to there, there to there. In the name of God knows what. It says, let me finish my work in you. Learn to sit down like Mary at my feet. It may be days of loneliness. Days where nobody calls you. Nobody knows even if you are still alive. It may be days or weeks or months. But stay. Let me craft. Let me form and shape a new heart in you. Stop running. Stop jumping out of my presence. Stay there. If you're tired, sleep there. Wake up. Let me perfect my work in you. I want to use you, but I cannot use the old. I cannot use what you had, you, you have, what I used to love and appreciate in you is gone, is obsolete. I want to transform you, but I can only transform you when you take the sitting posture. Sit down. When I'm done with you, you will become a wonder. You will become an amazement. Stop jumping out of my process. Stop jumping out of my process. Stop jumping out. It's like you're jumping out of the fire. It's hot. You jump out. But it takes the fire to refine you. God says stop jumping out. Stay there. They will jump out. Out of the process, out of the declaration, out of the things God is asking Isaiah to speak. And they will jump into God knows God somewhere with itching ears. That, that's what the Bible says in the last day. They will develop itching ears. Your ears is itching you all over the place. God says, I've set you in this house. Let me craft my work in you. The more you jump out, the more you delay the process. And time is running out. Lord, I've delivered your word. I have no clue of what you planned for this morning. All I had in me was just a desire to, to pray with the brethren. And just to encourage them again to remain in your love. I didn't know you had all this planned out. I'm, I'm in awe of you, God. Once again, you have proven that it's not by might. You've proven that our wisdom is foolishness. Our righteousness is like a filthy rag. Thank you, Father. 
I thank you, Lord, that you can use me as a vessel. I know this word is going to reach beyond the few that have connected. I pray those who have heard this word will share this word with others in their own various platforms. Who knows? Somebody out there who need to hear this truth. So I thank you. Continue to walk in our heart, in our lives. As we rest in you. For there remains a rest to the, for the people of God. Rest begin to take place in our life. As we cease from our own works. Our own labor. Stop carrying things heaven has not commissioned you. Don't die before your time. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, glory to God. Friends, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of God. I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm sure you know that this is God. God has spoken. The Lord has spoken once again to us. I could feel the weight the weightiness of God's presence in this place. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, uh, dear Sister Edwina. Thank you for joining this morning. It's nice to have you. It's been a long time. Thank you so very much for joining. Thank you, uh, my dear brother, uh, Andrew Becky. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your connection this morning. Uh, thank you, Brother Tabos, Sister Kumisa. Uh, let me see if I can scroll down. Sister Myrtle, thank you so much. God bless you. We appreciate this period. Thank you, my dear brother, uh, Nikki Fred, once again. Thank you for joining. God bless you so much. God bless you, everyone that have joined this morning. And uh, their sister Annie also. God bless you, Sister Tina. Everyone that has joined us this morning, I am so, so grateful. Please. Don't take this word lightly. Don't just think, well, this is another nice message. Wow, what a nice message. This is a divine instruction from the Lord. And I hope it will continue to remain an instruction to you. God bless you. Enjoy your Sunday. Bye-bye. See you again.